Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics, which are going to educate and empower others. And give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome back, listeners. Gosh, May has felt like the longest month ever. Yeah, but the end is near. We are so close to summer. Although... The weather here doesn't feel like it, at least not by me. We're still like, I feel like I'm still wearing like sweatshirts. Overcast. Yeah. And I yeah. Yeah. don't understand that. I feel like for summer now starts in, in July, like yeah. for Californians now. And then it goes through October. It's not like May That's to true. like September anymore. Well, you but know? I just want to know where spring went. Like, I'm not even saying like, I need summer 80 degree days. Like, I just wanted spring. Hmm. I feel like we just never had spring in California. Like it's summer or just like kind of cold, like, you know, so I, I think we've just had a lot of rain in California and that's just not. Yeah, that's California. true. Like, that cooled it it's down. Not- and, you, and yeah, but yeah, you know, we have some schools that have their last week of school this week, a lot yeah. within the next two weeks. I know other yeah. states start, they end earlier because they are already getting hot. Like I know Arizona gets really hot already mm-hmm. um so like they're already like ending california i think is one of the states that like some school districts go towards to the end of june and that's like not the norm so if you're listening right. outside of california you might be at your last week or two dealing with like last minute all of the events that they expect parents to participate in at the end of the school year especially if it's a transition year fifth grade eighth grade twelfth grade that sort of thing so we hope that you are you know, holding on and that you have some fun summer plans that you can like kind of be thinking about to get you through these next couple of weeks, even if the summer plans are just like relaxing. I know. I mean, I think, you know, as we get towards the end of the school year, I was telling Amanda, we just used to not talk about how difficult entire school years were until like the pandemic. And this one again, friends was just not an easy one. We are past the statute of limitations for when like COVID like first hit, right? Yeah. Go back two years for the most part, you know, obviously there's exceptions and statute of limitations isn't necessarily just told from there. We can open the door and go further back, but you know, we're seeing that kind of subtle shift all of a sudden to, Hey, we should just go back to the way things were. And it didn't work then. And, you know, we need to continue to kind of push for the, the change, right? And one of the ways that we felt that we could help you do that is by going through the eligibility categories. I don't even know what number we're on. Sorry, guys. It's been well, a rough I mean, we couple have not of weeks. In any specific order, it's mostly been, you know, the ones that we feel like happen to really be included in some of our cases that we've been seeing a lot of problems yeah. with. So like that has been some of the ones, but as May is Mental Health Awareness Month, We felt that it was really necessary for us to go through the eligibility category of emotional disturbance, which I think gets a bad rap. And not to say that like, if your child has this eligibility category, that it is good or bad, just like any other eligibility category, it is just opening that door 
to get to the other side, which is special education. But I think a lot of families are really cautious and scared to get the eligibility category of emotional disturbance partially by just the sense of the name. And I think the stigma that comes around with mental health, which, you know, we've talked about over and over on the pod. I mean, and that's a societal issue, right? I mean, yeah, the name doesn't help, but it, it can really describe a lot of the things that children are experiencing that would require special education and related services to help them and support them, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, So thankfully, the federal definition is the same as California. Yes, and I think a lot of states is similar. So just kind of going through what the law says, and then we can dive deeper. Emotional disturbance means a condition exhibiting one or more of the following characteristics over a long period of time and to a marked degree that adversely affects a child's educational performance. A, an inability to learn that cannot be explained by intellectual, sensory, or health factors. B, an inability to build or maintain satisfactory interpersonal relationships with peers and teachers. C, inappropriate types of behaviors or feelings under normal circumstances. D, a general pervasive mood of unhappiness or depression. E, a tendency to develop physical symptoms or fears associated with personal or school problems. So that's like the general, there's a caveats additional section that talks about emotional disturbance also includes schizophrenia, but does not apply to students who are socially maladjusted unless it's determined that they have an emotional disturbance under you know the section above. So one thing I want to note about this definition, one As we talked about in other eligibility categories, this does not require every one of these factors to apply to your kid's case. So we have A, B, C, D, and E. You only need one to qualify you under emotional disturbance. So sometimes we get kids who are having mental health challenges and whether they have a diagnosis of say anxiety, depression, any type of uh, mental health disorder, or whether they don't have a diagnosis yet because the family just hasn't realized that this has you know, risen to that level, you only need one of these factors to qualify. And I think like with other eligibility categories, some school teams feel that more than one need to be established. And that's just, that's just not true under the, the plain reading of this section. Yeah. So oftentimes we can see different types of like emotional disturbances, if you will. Right. So Amanda already called out like anxiety disorders. We've seen children with bipolar disorders, with conduct disorders, with eating disorders, with obsessive compulsive disorders, um, psychotic disorders. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to fit one of those, but these are just kind of examples of how one of those disorders can either affect an inability to learn, right? That's not related to any of the intellectual sensory or other health factors that could show inappropriate types of behavior or feelings under normal circumstances. We've really seen the gamut of how this category is not used to its potential. Mm -hmm. I had a case years ago where the behavior of the girl being on campus trying to kill herself by jumping off a second story and the school themselves, like calling the police and getting her hospitalized and all that, that was not an inappropriate type of behavior or feeling because she lived under unnormal circumstances. Her life personally was not normal. And that's how the district tried to say that she didn't qualify under ED. 
you know? And it was like, what are you yeah. even talking about? Yeah. Like you were, that is completely yeah. ridiculous. You, you're basically saying that she chose this abusive home and like, like, no, like, that's, yeah. I don't and, even know what they were trying to say, but well, that I think- was just- I mean, I've seen that before, too, where the child has gone through some trauma. The child has gone through a lot. You know, kids in foster care, this happens a lot where they're like, well, if they're anxious or depressed or any of these behaviors are happening, it's because of like their home life, which is you know your case, or it's because of these things that have happened to them. There's nowhere in this section that it says that a child will be disqualified by having external factors. All mm. it says is that one of these characteristics apply over a long period of time to a marked degree that adversely affects educational performance. It doesn't matter where it came from. It matters that it exists. And I think that's the designation that needs to be, I think, talked about more because these schools like to blame. A child is going through a divorce at home. A child is going through, you know, during COVID, we had a lot of this. A lot of kids were losing family members. They were isolated. Family members lost jobs were homeless. These are all factors that affected their lives and can contribute and sure could be a triggering factor for anxiety or depression or a mental health disorder, but that doesn't matter here. What matters is that the child is suffering and their educational performance is suffering. And that leads to the school being required to assess. And, you know, I got a question from someone I was talking to just about mental health and schools in general. And like, the whole concept that like schools shouldn't be responsible for the mental health of children when the mental health disorders come from the home. And Mm -hmm. I had an argument with this person to say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where it came from. The law is very clear. The law is very clear that school districts get funding to support the mental health of students. Bottom line, because 100% of the time, and like, I know I shouldn't say 100% of the time, but realistically, 100% of the time, if a child has anxiety, depression, or any Mm -hmm. mental health disorder, Mm -hmm. it is affecting school. Whether the school recognizes it or not, it affects school, bottom line. I think it's also important to see the comorbidity of um, learning challenges such as dyslexia, having ADHD, ADD. We will oftentimes see, and you know, I was at the conference a couple weeks ago at Laverne and they had said with their own personal um, applicants, right, that are applying to Laverne, their own statistics showed that 80% of the people that identified having some type of learning challenge also had anxiety or depression. So just based on that number in that small sample size and what the point they were trying to make was that it is very real. It very much affects people and affects people a lot more inside, right? Very rarely do we see people effectively talking about it. We're just seeing social emotional learning, SEL learning really be talked about a lot more now than ever, which is great. But you know, it goes beyond just kind of teaching kids to breathe in and out. We have kiddos that will shut down. And just because the kid is quiet does not mean that they are self-regulated and It just means that internally they are so like whatever is happening is so overwhelming. The body's primal instinct is literally to shut down, to like hibernate. And I think that that's something that we're always trying to show with our kiddos that kind of a lot of girls that have ADHD, 
may have the hyperactivity in their mind. <laughs> like, I, I know that seems kind of silly to say, but, you know, some boys are outwardly impulsive. Yes. And so we have to go in and, you know, we get this time and time again with their clients. Well, she doesn't ask for help. She doesn't seem like she yeah. is struggling. She doesn't. And it's just like her head is down. And if that doesn't tell you a lot more about what is actually going on, then let me tell you what's going on. So that's why ED is really important as an eligibility category, because when the child, you know, potentially doesn't have ADHD or doesn't have any other type of learning challenge, this is a way that they can get the right support so that they are able to have that equal opportunity to access their education. Yeah. And I think in the past, there was a lot of hesitation by parents to want a designation of emotional disturbance because a lot of schools, what they've tried to do in the past is if there's eligibility of emotional disturbance, they place students in a classroom specifically designed for kids with emotional disturbance. And, you know, that's not necessarily appropriate. And I've seen that happen. I've definitely had cases like that. I think it's changed a little bit over the course of the last five years or so. But, you know, like we say with all eligibility categories, this is just opening the door to special education. It is not 100% designating to a specific class. We have a lot of kids who are have emotional disturbance as their eligibility category who receive mental health counseling as part of their school day and they can still be in general education. So it's not a direct causation that you're going to be in one of these classes or you're going to be put in a non-public school or something like that. Now, at the same time, schools need to recognize that if there is this comorbidity, if morbidity, if there is this emotional disturbance, if there is a a diagnosis that leads to this eligibility category, there might be something else. We should be considering other eligibility categories as well. You might have dual yep. eligibility in many cases, but you know that's the eligibility category, emotional disturbance in a nutshell. And we hope that you know this helped you kind of see that this is an eligibility, ca- eligibility category that can often find students eligible when there's no other diagnoses, there's no other like academic challenges other than The student is not going to school because they are so withdrawn and depressed. And that's the reason, you know, not going to school is reason enough to say it's impacting educational performance. I don't care what the school team says that, oh, well, if Sally, when Sally goes to school, she's fine. She does Mm -hmm. her work. That doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. If she's not going to school five days out of 10, that's a problem. Right. Right. And I think that's, we often kind of see that first, right? That's, that's the symptom is the child like, literally like does not want to go to school. Um, And you'll have teams say, well, if you just get her to school, we'll we'll have the right Mm -hmm. supports and services. Incorrect. They should be trying to provide services even within the home because the child is not able to access their education because they are, you know, have a fear or just something is holding them back, right? So oftentimes we are seeing the symptom first of like, well, they're just not coming in. Okay, have we done an educationally related mental health service evaluation? Is this going above and beyond? And this is like talking about the child that may already have a different eligibility category, but then we're seeing, you know, um, emotional uh issues coming up. And yes, of course, they can do goals and they can do services. You already have an IEP. If this is a unique area of need, if they need assessments, fine, do assessments because that's what they always say. That's great. That's data. That's information that we can use to create the goals, create the services. But you don't need to have it as an eligibility category, right? Like you can be able to have access to 
the different types of services, goals, accommodations. But yeah, we often see the that symptom first. And then, you know, a district kind of asking, well, why are they not coming? Okay, well, let's talk more about what is actually happening. Because I've also been in IEP meetings where, and I say it with, you know, super casually, but they throw out counseling. The child can't read. And so the social emotional issues, anxiety that they are having stem from the fact that they can't read. What can we do to provide the child with, you know, the confidence <coughs> and support to help their reading, which yes, will help overall with the anxiety, but counseling just to focus on, well, here are some coping mechanisms. Awesome. But we also need to be addressing, like, I feel like sometimes it's, it's just this band-aid that they throw out without right. really right. And now like an analysis of like, well, why are they anxious? Right. Um, so anyway, that is just, Edie was a way for us to kind of talk about all of this and let you guys know that, yes, we don't like the name any more than you do, but it is a really great eligibility category to get a lot of these kiddos that otherwise would not be able to get the support or services that they would otherwise qualify for. So if you have any questions or examples of how ED has been approached or what kind of services have been provided to you, please reach out to us. And next week, we're coming at you with another great episode. And then we're in June, which is wild. So hang yeah. in there, everyone, and have a great rest of the afternoon, evening, morning, whatever you're having. Thanks. Bye. Bye.